Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's get it for Jesus all across this place. Come on, give me your best. Beautiful. We're excited you guys are here. Let's jump straight into the calls, part two. We're going to kick it off today. I had a buddy who uh, was getting a Christmas gift, and so uh, his wife, you know, how anybody try to outdo your spouse on gift giving? Anybody try to do that? So he was, ooh, I got a sneeze coming up. Mm. Y'all know when it's like there but not there? Y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, we'll try to work it out. So, uh, so we were, uh, I, I try to outdo my spouse uh, on giving Christmas presents. And how many guys know, like some guys are just, men are hard to buy gifts for because we just buy our own gifts. Like, but in July, you know what I'm saying? I'm not waiting until Christmas. I'm gonna buy that for me today, right? And so my buddy, he was like, he, his wife is like, I got you beat this year. And he, she was like, he was like, I don't know. She's like, no, I got you beat this year. So, so she, Christmas comes around, there's this box. And so she made him wait till last to open that box. And so he, he uh, opens the box. And as soon as he does, in it is a brand new 308 rifle. He was a hunter. So it was like, it was a brand new 308 rifle with a Zeiss scope on. If you know anything about hunting, like, that's a big deal. He was like, like she was, like he couldn't believe she bought this, A. And B, he couldn't believe that she bought all the right things. Because, ladies, y'all, that's hard, right? Like, you walk into it like, what? I don't know. The one with the trigger. That's the one I bought. I don't, like, right? So, so, so she bought all the right one, like, all the right components. And so he was like, oh, my gosh. And so, so she was like, yeah, it's, got, it's this rifle. He's like, I know. And she was, she was like, and it's this scope. He's like, I know. Like, and she was like, it's got this. And he's like, I know. Like, this is, I, I've been looking at this in the magazine. Like, he, she was like, I, I, I made all the right decisions. And she was like, and I love when you go hunting because you bring home, like, deer meat. So, like, this is the gift that keeps on giving, right? And so the next year, the whole year, he was like, I got it. I got it figured out. Fellas, if you ever think you got your woman figured out that well, you're probably already wrong. He was like, I got it. And so same thing happened this Christmas. So she, there's a big box under the tree. And uh, so she was getting ready to open. He said, no, you got to open that one last. And so she was annoyed because women, when you have to do the things you make us do, it doesn't go the same way as when you made us do it. But and so, uh, she, so she was. She had the box. So she had to wait till last to open that box. And she opened. She's getting ready to open it. And he's like giddy. You know what I mean? Because he's like, oh, I got it this year, fellas. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, fellas, look at your woman and say, yeah, I, I got it this year. You know, look at your wife. If you send someone that's knocked your wife, just look, say, I got it this year. Like you know what I mean? Like we get confident. You know? He said, I got it this year. So it came time to open it. She busted open. Brand new vacuum cleaner. He said, that's the gift that keeps on giving. So we miss him. So we miss him. He was a good friend. Anyway, so last week I chose to share with you part one of a two-part idea called the clause, a message called the clause. And, and last week our goal was to kind of help you understand that 
that though the world is messed up, how many of you guys know the world is messed up? Like, it's not hard to look around and be like, oh, no, man. Though the world is messed up, it wasn't so that the world became messed up and so God went, oh, man, let me figure something out. And then Jesus became an idea. But when we look at Genesis chapter 3, like we looked at last week, the reality is Jesus was always the idea. That before sin showed up in your life, the remedy for sin showed up on the earth. Before sin showed up in your life, the remedy for sin showed up in heaven. Like, let me help you out. Nothing you've done has caught God by surprise. He may not have loved it, but it didn't catch him by surprise. That should give us great encouragement because, like, we hadn't gone too far yet. Anybody thought they ever tested those waters? You know what I mean? Like, oh, no. Right? So, Genesis sin enters the world. Isaiah comes. The prophet declares that a virgin will conceive birth. And that's where we see in Matthew chapter 1 the message that we all read about Jesus coming to the earth, right? Let's go there. Matthew 1, 20 through 23. And that's where we pick up on the Christmas theme. But last week, I wanted to show you that Christmas is beautiful. But if we don't understand all the beautiful complexities behind why Christmas is even here, why Jesus even came, we can actually miss out on a huge component of the, of the grandness, the beauty behind Jesus coming. So let's go. Matthew 1, 20 through 23. Mary will give birth to a son. and You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, say those words with me, God with us. And so all of this is to confirm it. So this week I want to look at what he came for. Turn to your neighbor and say what he came for. Come on, like you believe it, what he came for. All right, like you got the wrong present this year. What, you, what he came for, man. Like, all right, so what he, what he came for, because Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says it like this. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience, because of your sin. This is, this is speaking to all of us at this point. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Now, how many of us can acknowledge, I can, I can connect with that. There was a season, there was a time, I can remember. It wasn't that long ago for some of us, like, oh, still there, whatever. So like, we can all connect to, like, sin being in our life. And so what did he come for? Romans 5.12 says this, and I'm, I'm helping just complete the picture about the idea of what Jesus came for, and then we're going to get to the good stuff, all right? Sin entered the world through one man. Talking about Adam. So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world for all of us. I'm sure he's going to get jumped in the, you know, back alley of heaven somewhere. Like, brother, you messed it all up for everybody. Like, and eternal death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned, right? But though one man messed it up, one man fixed it all. And that's what this season about. To complete the idea, Romans 5, verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died eternally, so if, if many had an eternal death as the consequence by the trespass, meaning the sins... Of the one man, meaning Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So what we're seeing here is there's a beauty behind what Jesus comes for. He, so he didn't just come and like he's fixing a bunch of things. But today I want to help you make it personal. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm talking about me. Come on, just go. I'm talking about me. All right, so. I want to show you what did the clause pay for? 
What did the claw, what, what did the, the idea of this covenant? Jesus came, what's it about? Because here's the reality, I believe in church world, sometimes we don't get the complete picture of everything Jesus came to do. I believe we get part of the picture, but I don't believe we get the complete picture. And I want to help paint that for you. And the first part of the picture that I do believe we get is the first part, it's in your notes, it'll show up on the screen, but the cause removed the price that we had to pay. When Jesus came, he came for a covenant with his people that removed the price that you and I were going to have to pay for the sin in our life. Come on, anybody, can we all acknowledge we've got some stuff back there we wish wasn't there? Okay. So he came to pay the price for that sin because how many of you guys know we couldn't pay it ourselves? Because if, if you could be good enough, you would have been good enough, but you weren't good enough, so you couldn't be good enough. And here's, here's just a little a helpful tip for all of us. We, you may look around the room and be like, man, I know that's true about me, but I feel like everyone else kind of has it together. Can we all like laugh at that concept? Like, you know what I'm like, anybody messed up a few times? Anybody messed up a few more times than like, okay. So if you think you're here and you're the only person that's like still trying to figure some of this out, I'm going to tell you you're not. I'm here to tell you, you're part of a group of people that knows we messed up, knows we couldn't pay the price ourselves, and knows we needed Jesus. And he came to pay that price. Going back to Ephesians 2, verses 8, it says, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the, what's that word? So maybe Christmas really is about gift giving. Just not the way you and I do it. Oh, pause. Maybe Christmas really is about gift giving, just not under trees. Maybe it's about the gift in a manger. So, like, it is gift giving, but it's the greatest gift we've ever gotten, and sometimes it's the one we forget we have. Right? Like, it, like some of y'all got toddlers, you know what I mean? They got all these presents last year, but now they're in a closet somewhere. They don't play with those. They're just looking for the new ones this year. And we could look at that and be like, you need to be grateful. But how many of us could be honest and say, like, sometimes we put Jesus in the closet and we just kind of break him out occasionally. So maybe Christmas really is about gift giving. Maybe it really is about a covenant, a clause. Maybe it really is about something way more beautiful than what we give credit for. But hear me, I think the thing that I want you to understand is it doesn't stop there. See, the idea is this. Due to God's perfection, he couldn't be close to us with sin in our life. And and I'm like, like, man, it sounds kind of like an Easter message. I'm getting to Christmas. I just want to help you out with something. Okay, so I want you to picture for a second that God has just white gloves on for a second. I want you to picture maybe he was standing up here. He has white gloves on right and I want you to imagine that every time you sinned in your life myself included someone just threw dirt on us mud right and and the thing is 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 God because he's holy because of who God is he can't get his gloves dirty and so how many of us were in a place where sin was ruling our life but we knew we wanted to be close to God But there was this thing between us, and the thing that was between us is God is saying, you can't come close to me because I can't get these gloves dirty. The thing is, has any any of you, how many of you got toddlers, either you have a kid or you at least know a kid really well, nieces, nephews, whatever, anybody kind of understand that? Any of y'all ever seen a kid come in filthy? 
And you're like, what did you do? And then they try to clean themselves off with dirty hands. They're like, no, that's not that bad. You're like, all right. Take all your clothes off right now and go get in the shower. You're like, on the front porch? Yes, on the front, and then go get in the shower. Like, how many guys know we can't clean ourselves off with dirty hands? So what did we need? We needed someone to clean us off for us. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took all of that off of us so that we could be close to God again, regardless of what his gloves look like. And I want to help you with a second because... If we don't understand, some of us think Jesus came to make good people better, but that's not what he came for. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And so the sooner we can grasp that concept, the sooner we can understand, like, oh, no, I was able to be close to God. Like, I wasn't that bad of a person. No, no, no. And it wasn't like God hated you. It was just that he's not going to, he can't have things that aren't holy next to him that is holy. So he had to say, hey, listen, until you can get that clean, which is why in the Old Testament they kept trying to make themselves clean by sacrificing, right? But in the New Testament, we already have the ultimate sacrifice. His name is Jesus, which is why I think Christmas really is about gift giving. And so here we have God, and he can't be close to us. But hear me, it wasn't just that we could be saved by God. Are you ready? It was that we could actually know him. I'm talking about the God who used words to put the sun, moon, and stars in space. I'm a God that used words to create the atmosphere, the world that we live in, the animals. Like, I'm talking, like, it wasn't just that we could be saved by him. It was that we could actually know him. And I think this is the part where sometimes we, we lose track. But Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say wisdom, which is to know something supernaturally. Say, say revelation which is to have something revealed to you. I wish you would know and have this thing revealed to you. What? So that you could know him better. Like God's ultimate desire through his word is that we could actually know him better. And so the clause that he's creating, the gift that he sent, hear me, it's all so that we could be close to a God that before we couldn't be close to. And so he wants us to know him better, but then the clause, it it doesn't just remove the price we had to pay. The clause disrupts the pattern that we're in. How many guys have ever found yourself in a push and pull with God where you feel like you just couldn't get things right? Anybody ever had, like you were ever in that season where conviction was real heavy, but you just couldn't get anything together? Seven of us, rest of y'all, liars. Okay, so I said, how many of y'all have gone through a season where you had to get some stuff together? Help me out, okay? So like, so we've, we've all been in those seasons where we're like, push and pull, push and pull, right? But hear me, let's go back to Ephesians 2 because I want to unpack to you what this, what this looks like because... He paid the price, but many of us are resting on the price that was paid, but we're not looking at the pattern that we're in. The pattern that we're in is what holds us captive, not the price we haven't paid. Okay. Listen to me. The fact that you keep letting people slide into your DMs is the problem, not Jesus. Okay, I thought we had to make it personal enough for a second. Like... And Okay, the fact that you keep going back to the same environment where you can't help but make the same decisions is the problem. It's not Jesus' price was inadequate. It's that our pattern hadn't changed yet. So he paid the price, but our pattern still has to change. 
And so the clause, it should disrupt the pattern that we're in so that the price can turn into a different lifestyle. And it's not behaving so that we can be saved because that's what religion tells you. It's behaving because we are saved because that's what Jesus tells us. And so it disrupts the pattern. Ephesians 2, 3 through 5, all of us used to live. Say all of us, just so that we're all on the same page. If you're at home, look at your cat and say all of us. Demonic. Okay, sorry. It's been a while since I've gone over that, right? Biblical understanding why cats are demonic, right? Uh, cats are rebellious. Rebellion is witchcraft. Witchcraft is demonic. Okay, I, just need, I don't know if y'all need dots connected. I'm just, some of y'all are cat people. I'm just kidding. All of us used to live following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Can we all connect with that? All of us used to have something in our life we were drawn to more than we were drawn to God. It was like gravity that pulled us close, right? But God is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. What is he saying? You had a pattern, but God loved us so much that he showed up to disrupt the pattern. Jesus can save you, but hear me. He didn't just save you from something. This is the beauty. God saves you to something. See, in church context, sometimes we, we, we communicate in such a heavy way, which is so important, that we were saved from something, sin. Eternal death, hell, all those things. And hear me, that's a great thing to be saved from. But I feel like sometimes what we lose track of is the fact that not only did he save us from something, he saved us to something. Like there's more to this than just like getting saved and be like, all right, man, we're just trying to wait this thing out now. Any of y'all know Christians that are miserable because they hadn't got to the thing that God promised them? Because they're only waiting for eternity, but they're not realizing there's a life to live today. I'm going to tell you, like, he didn't just save us from something. He saved us to something. So we, we used to be this, but now we're this. And this should generate something inside of us, right? Because Jesus is a gift, and it is about gift giving. Like, so I, I put this in your notes. It's on the screen. God gives us the gift of grace that removes us from the penalty of sin, but then invites us into a life where he helps us get out of the pattern of sin. He came to disrupt the pattern, but here's why this is hard, right? It's because how many of us will admit, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of us will admit that our patterns oftentimes come from something that someone else did to us? Like if we were all honest, don't get me wrong, we do enough <laughs> to ourselves on our own. <clears throat> but some of you, if you were willing to admit for a minute, you would say, that the reason you have a problem with this is because of this. And this has something to do with what someone did. For many of us, if we were honest, there's a hurt or an offense. If, if, if many of us were honest, there was a moment in our life where something happened, something triggered, and because of that thing, it drove us to this thing. And so now this, this addi addiction exists, this problem exists, this pattern exists, and it's because we're trying to psychologically or emotionally fix something in us that happened because of them. But here's the beauty behind what Jesus came for. Listen to me. He didn't just come to disrupt the pattern of sin. He also came to disrupt the pattern of shame. 
He didn't just come to disrupt the pattern of the things you keep getting wrong. He also came to disrupt the pattern, the cyclical wheel of the reason you keep telling yourself you can't be, won't be, could never be, aren't valuable enough. That's just not who I am. You don't understand what I come from. You don't understand where I've been. My mom was this way. My grandma was this way. I'm going to be this way. My dad was this way. My grandfather was this way. I'm going to be this way. Hear me. He didn't just come to disrupt the fact that you keep looking at that website or going to that place or being with that person. He also came to disrupt the lie that you have to keep digging for something else in your life to make you more valuable. He also came to disrupt the pattern that keeps telling you you'll never be good enough on your own. He came to disrupt the pattern that tells you you have to keep going to the bottle or keep going to the pills or keep going to the person or keep going. He came to disrupt the pattern that tells you you're not enough on your own. I'm here to tell you Jesus came as a baby in a manger not for who he saw you to be but for who you are. Everything you carry, everything you have, that's what he came in a manger for. Sometimes we think that God saw like the best version of us and was like, oh, yeah, that one. And then he got here and was disappointed like a bad blind date. Like some of us think that our spiritual life is a catfish experience for Jesus. Where Jesus shows up and was like, I didn't know we were getting into all this. But I want you to hear me today. Yes, he did. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into. When he paid the price for us, when he came in the manger, knowing that when he came in the manger, he was coming so that 30 some odd years later he could go to a cross. He did that knowing exactly what kind of gift he was giving you. And he did it anyways. So it should disrupt the pattern that we find ourselves in, which is why Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You know your, your heart has eyes? You know the lens that your heart views through is pain? Which is why it could be 30 years since the last thing hurtful happened to you, but the minute you let your heart look through those eyes, it generates the pain just like it was yesterday. But did you know that God can put a new lens on your heart? That you can stop looking at things the way you used to and start looking at them the way he wants you to. And that's the beauty behind it. But here's the thing. Until we actually see God, it really gets hard to walk in the freedom from what's back there. Hear me. Until we start seeing God as the one who wants to be with us, not just the one who wants to save us, it gets really hard to disconnect from what's back there. God desires to be with us, which is why brings me to my last point, which is the clause establishes not just the price that he paid, not just disrupting the pattern, but it also establishes the purpose that we're destined for. What Jesus came, the gift, that gift that Jesus came with, he came so that he could pay the price. He came so that he could disrupt the pattern. But also, listen to me, he didn't just save you from something, he saved you to something. There is a life he wants you to live. There is a purpose he wants you to accomplish. Listen, Christians that do nothing but sit on their rear aren't fulfilling the purpose God has for them. If you're a great singer, great. I'm sure he came for you to sing, but he also came for you to do more. If you're a bad singer, he came for you to sing not quite as loudly, okay? We would all appreciate if you could just, like, monitor your volume during worship. We're all trying to, like, just kidding. So... Really, he said make a joyful noise, not a beautiful one. 
All right. That's why I sit on the front row. There's no one in front of me, so they can't figure it out. He destines you with a purpose. He came as a gift so that the gift could unlock in you the idea that you weren't just saved from something. You were, but you weren't just saved from something. You were saved to something. And are you pursuing the thing you were saved to? Ephesians 2.10, continuing on with that text, for we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, fulfill a big purpose which God figured out as we were going along, that's not what it says, is it? That he prepared in advance for us to do. He's always had this plan. Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it unpacks this in beautiful way. Paul saying, he's, he says, therefore, my beloved friends. Now, beloved friends doesn't seem he people I really enjoy hanging around, okay? Like, translation for that is like fellow Christians, people who are saved, brothers and sisters, those that are in Christ. Therefore, my fellow Christians, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? So, so my beloved friends, those that have the price paid, right? Continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, disrupt the pattern, find a new one, right? For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill what? His good purpose. And so God wants us to connect to this, this idea that he's made us for something. Ephesians 1.18 and 19, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. We just read that, but this is the rest of it. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Which means it's not just about letting go of something, it's about getting into something. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Oftentimes I talk to people and they don't know the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not giving you something you deserve. Right? And so, anybody know, anyone ever seen a toddler like freak out in the store? How many of y'all are like, I know what that one deserves? Right? Till it's your toddler and you're just dragging them. They're like, limp body, you're just dragging them. Like, it is what it is. Every parent sees that and goes, nah, I got that. I get it. No judgment over here. People that aren't parents are like, what I would do is, and all the parents are like, yeah, okay. Anyways, mercy is not giving something to someone that they deserve. We deserved hell. God, who is rich in mercy, chose not to give it to us who are in Christ Jesus. That was mercy. But we could have ceased to exist at the end of this life. Mercy would have just been, all right, man, like, you put your faith in Jesus, sins wiped away, hell is no longer your destination. That would be mercy, and I would be grateful. Grace is giving you what you could never deserve. He didn't just say you don't have to go to hell. He said you also get to go to heaven. He's rich in mercy and grace. And so there's a pattern. There's a price. There's a pattern. I mean, there's a purpose. And it's not just about you. It's about your friends. 
It's about your coworkers. It's about your neighbors. It's about your family. Right? Hear me. Jesus is a beautiful gift. The greatest gift. But I think sometimes we forget that he's a gift that keeps on giving. Listen, Jesus is the gift, but then he brings the gift of the gospel, which is the good news. That it's not just about mercy, but it's also about grace. It's not just that we don't have to go here. We also get to go here, right? But that brings us the good news, the gift of eternity. That there's heaven that waits for us. Those are in Christ Jesus, which gives us another gift, which is joy. How many guys are grateful that Jesus came on the scene? It should generate joy, right? And so... But the gift of joy also brings us the gift of peace because I know that there, no matter what happens in this world, the war and the turmoil and the chaos, guess what? I'm at peace because I know at the end of this life, something's waiting for me. And so then there's a the gift of peace. And because there's a gift of peace and there's a gift of joy, it generates a gift of praise. And that's why Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving because the more you genuinely connect with who Jesus is, the more you start to realize that there's no end to this. He's the gift that keeps on giving. So here's a question I have for you. Why aren't you enjoying the gift the way you should? And maybe you are. But I would be willing to bet the vast majority of you guys watching or in the room would, would, would say, I'm not enjoying the gift the way I should. Sometimes it feels like work. Right? Is it because you're dealing with some guilt and some shame and some things inside of you that you know shouldn't be there, but you still hadn't quite mastered having those there? Is it because you just don't feel good enough? Is it because you feel like you lack value? Is it because sometimes you look in the mirror and go, ah, there's no way. God, there's nothing you could do with me. And then you run off the checklist of all the reasons why. Why don't you enjoy the gift the way you should? I was praying through that, and I think I figured it out, at least part of it. Uh, Justin and Jonathan are going to come up on stage. They're going to help me close this thing out for a second, because I want to show you kind of what I kind of started figuring out that I feel like some of us deal with. Jonathan, if you'll stand right here. Justin, if you'll stand right here for me. So Justin's going to represent sin. Yeah. <laughs> I did not plan this ahead of time. Jonathan's going to represent Jesus. You're stuck. You're stuck. Hey, man. Yeah. We're breaking cultural norms. That's a different message for a different day. <laughs> uh, all right, I had to get back on track for that. All right, this is, this, is where, this is where I feel like many of us find ourselves. All right? How many of you guys know sin manages to just keep creeping into our lives? Like, it, it shows up pretty regularly, right? Let's step forward just a little bit, guys. It, it shows up pretty regular. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm... I'm going to show you what I feel like some of us think is happening. We feel like we're, 
there a rave going on behind me? Okay, so, uh, so I feel like this is where we end up. Sin is just like there's this gravity thing. And here's what we think happens. You ready? When I push sin away, when I push it away, you're going to go away. Come this way, John. We think that when I push sin away, we're going to turn around. Oh, man, there's Jesus. But how many guys know it doesn't take long before this to start fixing itself again? And where are you? You right back here. And it's like, yeah. So, so what do we do, right? No, we go to a great church service. We go to our grandma's house and we see a scripture on the wall or something. And we're like, and we, and we push it away. And we're like, oh, Jesus is here. Perfect. But how many guys know it doesn't take long? And this is why I think it's hard for some of you to appreciate the gift. Because you think the gift only gets close when you can push this away well enough. Come on. So it's like, man, as long as I can push this away well enough, I feel like I can really appreciate the gift. But I'm here to tell you, in this analogy, we think we're stationary and we're pushing things and pulling things in our life. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus and sin are stationary. It's never been about pushing something away. It's not that you're stationary and you push and this moves away from you. I'm going to tell you, it's not about pushing anything. It's about pulling yourself to the right thing. Right? It's, it's about, and, and here's the beautiful part. If I'm always pulling myself towards the gift, what am I con- uh, unconsciously away from? I hope this gets into some of our spirits because some of us are having a hard time appreciating this because we're just working so hard to get away from this. Get away, get away, get away. <laughs> what if it just turned into like, come close, come close, come close. God, I just want to, I just want to be here. What if you're working really hard to accomplish something in your spiritual life? And what if the enemy's whole plan in your life was to keep you so busy pushing over there, you never realized you could pull over here? Because God says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. So what if we just started drawing close to the gift? Go ahead, guys. What if we just started drawing close to the gift? And so this, as we wrap up today, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to change the way you think about Jesus. Change the way you think about the gift. Change the way you think about what this Christian journey looks like. Change the way you think. And if you'll change the way you think about him, it'll change the way you sing about him. It'll change the way you pray to him. It'll change the way that you worship him. It'll change everything when we start seeing him the right way. So what is the reason you don't appreciate the gift the way you should? Maybe it's because you don't see the gift the way you should.
But I pray today that that would change. But not only that it would change, on the way out the door today, just on your left, there's a stack of Christmas invite cards. Grab five or 10 of those. And I want all of you to think of some people you can think of right now that need to start experiencing the gift the right way. And let's fill this place up next week in three services and let people experience who Jesus really is. Can we do that? Come on, let's give Jesus praise all across this place. He's good. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're so good to us. We thank you that we don't deserve it, but you showed up anyways. You pay at a price. You disrupt our pattern and you give us purpose. And as we come to you for those things, I pray that you would reveal to us the beauty behind who you are. I pray that our hearts would erupt with joy over who you've come to be and that we would find that it's not about trying to get away from something. It's about resting and being close to you. Let us find joy in the life that you've given for every person that's here and they've, they've been navigating that feeling. They've, they've really locked into the, the practice of religion, but they really hadn't connected with the fact that we get to be close to you and there's a relationship that's available. I pray that we would find out that pushing ourselves away from sin may not get us close to Jesus, but getting close to Jesus definitely helps get us away from sin. You're the gift that keeps on giving. Let us come to you. For every person who's navigating those emotions today, I pray that they would just pray to you very simply this prayer, which is Jesus, help me be closer to you. Come on, if you're in here right now and that's you, that's your prayer, it's real simple. No one's coming to you, no, nothing, just right there. You have the chance. Some of you, that's a prayer you need right now. Jesus, I just want to be closer to you. I know there's some things in my life I'm dealing with, but I, I know if I was closer to you, it would really help me deal with them. And so just help me get closer to you. And I know if I do that, those other things will get pushed away. Help me find joy and peace. And you is a gift that keeps on giving. In Jesus' name. If you're here today with everyone's heads bowed and your eyes closed and you need Jesus in your life. We talked about how sin separates us from God, but Jesus paid the price. We could be close to him. And today, if you need to believe in Jesus, the Bible says all you have to do is put your faith in him. Believe in him that he died for you. And if you believe in him, you could be close to him. You could be saved. Today, whether you're online, whether you're in the room, if that's you. You're ready to be close. You're ready to be saved. You're putting your faith in him that he paid for your sins. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't make you saved. It just puts words to those actions. It says, Jesus, I'm believing in you. So the whole church will pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. Let's pray, guys. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I know I've messed up, but I know you're big enough to pay for my sins. So I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And so I thank you. I worship you. I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that today. Perhaps for the first time, we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.